And as I lay back down in the bed, I, you know, I kept sending that message out. I bring you no harm. I do you no harm. I'm here temporarily. We'll leave you in peace. Uh, with the with the two in the corner of the room, just kind of casting their eyes over me, and then I went to sleep, and they disappeared. <laughs> Hello, my name is Karina Machado. I'm a journalist and the author of Spirit Sisters and other books full of true stories of the paranormal. I'm always so happy to read your feedback. So if you love the Ghost Files, please take a moment to rate and review the show. My guest this week, Rebecca Coombs, is the host of the Healthy Gut podcast, as well as an author, speaker and mentor. Rebecca wrote to tell me that she's seen ghosts, felt energies and had premonitions most of her life. When I started reading Rebecca's summary of her life experiences, I knew I had to invite her on the show. The hard part was trying to decide on which wonderful story to share. Now, settle in for a story of a very haunted house in the picturesque English city of Bath. Hello, Rebecca, and welcome to The Ghost Files. Hi, Karina. It's wonderful to be on the show. It's so lovely to have you. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are and your life today. Well, I'm a podcaster myself. I'm the host of the Healthy Gut podcast. And I actually found your podcast because I'm an avid podcast listener. So I was searching around looking for a new podcast to listen to. And I was so excited when I found yours because it made me realize I wasn't alone in my ghostly experiences. Uh, But I live in Melbourne, Australia, and I write cookbooks all around gut health But before I started that, I lived in the UK for many years and actually that's where uh, one of my stories that we're going to talk about today happened. Yes, and it's such a good one. I can't wait to begin unfolding that. Tell me, before we get into that, what's your first memory of something unusual happening in your life? My first memory is actually when I was about 17, 18, and it was an experience where my grandfather thought he was dying, and he reached out to me one night and appeared in my bedroom mirror, which freaked me out. I was so scared. I had a boyfriend staying over that night, and I kept saying to him, can you see that guy over there? And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. And I I knew it to be my grandfather, even though it was a very young version of him. And the next day I called him and I said, you know, Poppy, this is going to sound strange, but I really felt like you were in my room last night. And he said, well, I was reaching out. I thought I was going to die and uh, I connected with you. I knew you were there. So that was pretty crazy. Wow. That's a really rare kind of experience to have the spirit of the living making himself known to you. That's very beautiful. Yeah, It it is. And he and I were very spiritually connected with each other all the way through until his passing and beyond. So it's been lovely that, you know, alive and in his death, we are still connected. That is lovely. And hopefully we will get you back on the show later in the year, Rebecca, for you to share perhaps one of those stories about your grandfather and other stories that you have. But um, that would be lovely. Today, what we're going to do is focus on this particular story that's set in Bath in England. Now, set the scene for us. You said that you lived there for a long time in the UK. 
I did. And I worked for a well-known women's wear fashion company. And the owner of the business was very wealthy. And he had properties all around Europe that he allowed us staff to use for a very nominal fee um, as a staff perk, which was lovely. And there was this um, very old, many hundreds of year old cottage in Bath that he had owned for some time. And we could go there uh, for a weekend if we wanted to. So I booked it with a couple of the girls from work and partners and friends and all the rest. Now, I had heard that it was a haunted house, but, you know, we were young women working with a fashion brand and people seemed to be pretty excitable. And I didn't pay much attention to the rumours because I thought it was just silly office gossip. Even though I've had a lot of experiences with ghosts myself, I still didn't believe the rumours, which is pretty funny. So we went there for a long weekend and as soon as I arrived, I realised the rumours were true and I had the most unnerving and you know awful sense that there was some really negative energy at the house and I felt that the moment we pulled up in the car. So I hadn't even gone into the house when I just had a pretty dreadful feeling that something bad was about to happen. Oh, my gosh. So was it hard to actually, you know, cross the threshold and go inside? Did you feel like you might turn back? I really felt very um, unnerved and I said to uh, one of the girls that was with me who had also um, experienced some kind of things over the years, I said, oh, my gosh, I do not have a good feeling about this house. And she said, yeah, it's it's a pretty bad energy here, isn't it? Uh, and then I just tried to discount it. You know, I kept thinking, what, you know, come on, Rebecca, stop being silly. You're just being dramatic. Don't play into the rumours. It's fine. And I convinced myself otherwise and in I walked. Okay. But it wasn't long before something quite strange took place. That's right. So my friend, that girlfriend, uh, Kate and I were making dinner. The rest of the group were in a different room. And this cottage had been added on over the years. So the area we stood, which was the kitchen, was an original part of the house, very low ceilings. Uh, It was a long bench um, with an arger at one end. And then down the other end was the bathroom toilet and and a basin And I think there might have even been a bathroom there from memory. So Kate and I are cooking away where we've got music playing, we're chatting, we're having a great time. And we hear what sounds like somebody is in the bathroom. And the door to the toilet was this very old-fashioned kind of latch um, scenario whereby you press down on a lever and then this kind of latch, metal latch, would lift up on the other side of the door Uh, Uh, Yes, I can picture it, yeah. Yeah, you had to press quite hard to release it. Uh, So it wasn't a door handle that you turned. So we can hear this clicking sound, that click, click, click. And I look at Kate and I said, who's in the toilet? And she said, I I don't know. I don't think anybody went in there. And, And we called out and said, just press the lever. It will open eventually. Click, click click and I said to Kate oh my gosh I actually don't think there is anybody in there so I put my head next door and did a head count and everybody was sitting there and uh, Mm, together we start thinking oh my gosh this is actually an energy so we cling on to each other we walk towards the door both of us saying just press the door and as we got closer to the door we could hear taps turning on and off oh wow The, the clicking is still happening 
And at the door, we say, just press the door really loudly and nothing happens uh, except for the chats chatting on and off. And we said, on the count of three, we opened the door. And even with our hand on the handle, it's still clicking. We open the door and then nothing is there. Mm-hmm. But the noise and the noises stop. And we squeal and we're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Way to so begin we- your weekend. We are welcome to the cottage. And so we'd only been there for maybe an hour and a half by this point. We go and tell the others. And the boys are highly cynical. They laugh at us and say, oh, you girls, you're just being overdramatic. The the other girl that was with us, she could see we were really freaked out. She was like, oh, I'll, I'll take this, you know, somewhat seriously. We served dinner and we played some board games and we really, you know, tried to forget about it. And I definitely tried to forget about it. I thought, you know, I just don't want to be involved in whatever this is. I'm here for a a fun weekend with friends. Uh, So we, you know, we sat up probably till midnight um, playing games and having a few drinks and and then to bed we went. And that's where the craziness really started for me. What happened, Rebecca? Well, I went to sleep in a room. We had two twin beds. My friend Mags was in one bed and I was in the other. And we both went to sleep pretty quickly. And I woke up in the middle of the night face down in my pillow and being shoved into the bed. And I thought one of the boys had got up and they were playing a practical joke on me. So I was saying, get off me, get off me, and just being shoved really heavily into the bed. And I managed to turn my head around to look over my shoulder, expecting to see one of the guys. And instead, I see this electric blue light that's on me. It's like a it's like an electricity field. And of course, that at that moment, my heart just starts racing. And I think, oh my gosh, what on earth is this thing? And I managed to turn over and it zo- kind of zooms up into the ceiling and it's hovering above me in the ceiling, just, you know, electricity arcing. But the most vibrant blue I've ever seen, I've never seen a color like it before or again. And then it zaps me from the ceiling. So it shoots straight down and it's zapping me. And I am, I feel like I'm being electrocuted. And I'm lying on this bed going, freaking out. And then it kind of zaps back up. And I um, dive my head under the covers because I'm absolutely petrified. And apparently, hiding under your doona is the thing that will (laughs) save you. (laughs) I've certainly heard that many a time. So I'm certain that it is the scientific solution to. To all ills, all paranormal ills. <laughs> it's crazy. So, and then I start saying, Mags, Mags. And she's just completely ignoring me. Like, I'm shoving her, I, I can reach her, and I'm shoving her, like, Margaret, wake up. And she's just kind of grunting at me, but she won't wake up. And I think, okay, well, I have to turn the lights on. And there was a light switch right above my head. Uh, on the wall and I'm flicking that and it's not turning on and then I remembered there was a lamp on the other side of the bedroom so I get up and I go fumbling through the darkness to find that that won't turn on and I knew it had worked earlier that night because we'd had it on and I think oh my gosh it's turned the electricity off and I was too scared to go to any other room in case it got me in the hallway so I kind of jumped back into bed hid more under the covers 
And after a period of time, I thought, okay, I feel like this force has gone. And as I'm lying in the bed, I keep saying, I'm here with my friends. I mean you no harm. We'll be gone in a day. We we're not staying in this house. You know, I promise you we'll leave you in peace. And I'm just repeating this and repeating this in my mind. And I peek out of the um, covers and I look at the window, which is alongside my friend's bed, and I think, oh, thank goodness, the sun's coming up. But I thought, what a strange way for the sun to come up because the, the window lit almost like stage lighting from left across the top of the window sill and then down to the right-hand side, almost like a series of light bulbs coming on. And I was just so relieved that there was light in the room that I could see everything in the room and I could see the blue thing had gone. And then I realised there's this young woman and a young girl uh, standing in the corner of the room looking at me. And they're wearing kind of 19th century clothing. So she has uh, long, long sleeves, long skirt, a pinafore um, on a little cap. And the little girl has, uh, you know, it's a, a, like a, a little girl version of the same clothing. And they're just looking across at me and I'm looking at them. And I thought, oh, thank goodness somebody's here to save me. And we're just looking at each other. And then I think, hang on a second, I can see through them. I can see through to the curtains oh, my gosh, they're not real, they're ghosts, and we're all watching each other. Oh, my they... gosh, Rebecca, <laughs> this is like true horror movie Hollywood stuff. Like, it's amazing. It really <laughs> is unbelievable. Oh. I was just so stunned. But yet, at the same time, I was overcome with such a sense of calmness that they were there almost to look after me or to look out for me, um, they were very calming, even though I was a bit freaked out that I was looking at. They were my first full-body ghosts that I um, ever saw. Oh, okay. Uh, whereas prior to them, I'd always had a lot of experiences, but it was in my what I call my third eye, so I could see them, but I couldn't see them with my real eyes. Right. Whereas yes. they were my first physical form ghosts, and I was just, I mean, it was exciting and scary and freaky, but I was more concerned that the blue thing would come back and because that had been a really nasty kind of vile energy, whereas these two women were, young woman and young girl, were, were quite nice. And I thought, well, they're here to protect me. Maybe I can try and go to sleep. And as I lay back down in the bed, I, you know, I kept sending that message out, I bring you no harm, I do you no harm, I'm here temporarily, we'll leave you in peace. Uh, with, the, with the two in the corner of the room just kind of casting their eyes over me and then I went to sleep and they disappeared. And I woke wow. up the next morning and it was almost unbelievable that it had happened because it was so crazy that I had gone through that and, and yet my friend Mags had slept through the whole thing or could not wake up. Rebecca, Perhaps what do you think? Yeah, do, do you think that that was part of it? Mags's kind of almost coma-like state you know, could have been part of this paranormal activity that was going on in the room that she was... I think so. Okay. I was shoving her very hard and screaming, get up, get up. There are people, you know, something is happening and she just couldn't rouse herself. That's she was One of the gone. most interesting parts of your story is how awake you were throughout all this. You know, there's no sort of dozy state. You were completely awake and conscious and trying to understand what was happening. I'm gathering that from the first moment where you felt the weight on you that was so real that you were certain it was a human person playing a bad practical joke, but a, a joke nonetheless. Is that right, Rebecca? You felt that's how real it felt, that it was like a human, that weight on you? 
Well, that's why I thought it was one of the guys. Yeah. There was a heavy weight pressing me into the pillow to the point where I was thinking I almost can't breathe because I, I was my face was in the pillow when I woke up. So it was a pretty strong um, impression mm. going onto me onto the bed. Okay, and that light, that blue light, and you describe it so so vividly. It, um, I've never heard anything like this before. I mean, I've certainly heard of, of um, electricity being involved in these encounters and a certain, you know, heightened, almost some, some interviewees describe the air in a room before an apparition appears as sort of like the air before a thunderstorm. So there is this idea of electrical current playing a part. But to see it, to see it so vividly, this vivid blue ball of light bouncing around and it's, you know, seemingly sentient is absolutely extraordinary. It is, and it was it was unbelievable because I'd never seen anything like that. And the I have experienced the electric electric field sensation with other um, experiences that I've had, but I've never seen it. Uh, but it not only it changed shape and form in the sense that you know when it was on the ceiling, it was like a round arcing blue light. But then when it came at me, it was like an electric like a um, thunderbolt, it mm. just shot down in this straight kind of line um, while still having an element attached to the roof and arcing and, you know, yeah. zapping all over the place. So it was quite incredible. And you felt electrocuted, you said. Was there pain involved with that? It was really painful. Wow. It was like being electrocuted. It was a really sharp electric kind of zapping pain that I was uh, experiencing when it was like really attacking me and the feeling I got with it was it was angry it hated us being in its house so it saw it as its property not our property and we were invaders and it was wanting us gone so you sensed all that almost I mean I guess telepathically I did yeah yeah. so there was no communication as such Mm. I just knew you knew what it wanted. And do you believe that at any point this energy had been a human or was this something else? Well, in its form, it didn't feel very human. Uh, But I did ask about, you know, the history of the house when I got back to work. And there was a story of a man who had died in the house who was a very angry, grumpy kind of man. And when I heard about that, I thought, oh, perhaps that's the blue light that this man sees he didn't want any strangers in his house and given that this property was let out to staff so there was generally someone in the property every weekend um it made sense to me then that he feels like he's got all these random people coming into his house and he feels very disrupted so you know i felt that there was a connection once i knew that there had been a man like that living Mm. there so it's almost like you saw a picture of sheer fury you know, this this man he, who perhaps I wonder even, you know, if he knows he's dead. You know, you often hear those accounts of people who do not know they've passed and are just so angry because to have that level of anger about a, and attachment to a building, you know, suggests that he might be one of those sort of lower level energies who doesn't know. Yeah, very much so. It, it was pure fury, hatred, anger and just that get out kind of message that I was getting. And it's so interesting as well that within that also unfolded the vision of the two. Now, would you say they were maids? 
Um, they could have been in retrospect, and I think back at them. It was very, um, you know, that kind of traditional uh, clothing of what you would imagine a maid to wear with the, you know, with the apron on the woman and the pinafore kind of outfit on the young girl, the long sleeves, they were in white, they were wearing little bonnet slash caps. Um, so, I mean, they were very much not of this time. Mm. They were, you know, from a long time ago in terms of what they were wearing. So, Rebecca, there's almost a sense that in this room that night, some sort of portal opened, perhaps thanks to your vibration, your level of energy, where you brought in both positive and negative forces. <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the maids, they too seemed sentient in the sense that you know, you weren't just sort of seeing a vision of the past or like, like an old photo. They, you, you really had the distinct sense that they were there caring for you and looking out for you. And they were watching me. I mean, as I moved, they, their eyes followed. So they were not just a static impression. Yes. They were there, you know, feeling caring and concerned about me. I mean, I was in pure terror by that point. It was really scary. And with no lights turning on, it really felt like some awful horror movie that I was actually living. Um, and the fact that they lit the room to a point where I could see more um, was very calming because the, I went to sleep with the room in light. So, you know, it wasn't daylight, but it was like dawn light. That's a, such a beautiful part of your story too because you couldn't turn the lights on, so they brought light to you. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> yes. Do you feel that they were associated with the house or with yes. you? Oh, with the house, okay. I felt that they were with the house. Everything that I experienced, because I experienced more the following day and it all felt tied to that location, that they had all come from that property. Okay. Tell us what happened the next day. Well, I woke up. And I was absolutely wrecked. I felt like I'd been hit by a steamroller. I just felt sick. And I think that my system was so overcome with what I'd gone through that you know, my, my nerves were frazzled, and, but I felt really unwell. And being an old house, it didn't have central heating. We're there in wintertime, so it's pretty cold. And I went into the sitting room where we'd been playing board games the night before because it had a fireplace and a couch. And so some, one of the boys had lit a fire. And bear in mind, none of the guys believed my story, but the girls did. They, And particularly my friend who'd been in the kitchen with me, she really believed my story and was quite freaked out what, with what I'd experienced and grateful she hadn't. Yes. Um, and so I lay down on the couch uh, and I was the only one in the room and almost immediately I had this searing pain through my temples in my head, like I was being pierced by something really strong and sharp. And, and I'm clutching my head going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, that pain. And this black shadow kind of zooms up from a trapdoor in the corner of the room that I actually hadn't even noticed until that point and comes over to me and then hovers over the top of me on the couch, maybe a couple of centimetres from my body, and but just covering my whole body. And I'm in agony with this sensation in my head. And I'm looking at this black thing thinking, oh, what is this? This is not a good energy at all. This is a nasty energy. 
And this and was it with your eyes, not your third this eye. Is this is my was, eyes. Yeah, this is on with you. My this eyes. physical yes. thing, black thing, uh, shadow. Yeah. And it's it's morning. You know, I'm wide awake. It's not like I've woken up from it. It's daytime. There's natural light in the room. There's nothing that could be a trick to the eye. And then one of the people that was staying with us walks past the room to check on me, but was kind of walking past and looking in and stopped and the and the shadow zooms back to the corner of the room and they were like, oh, my gosh, what was that black thing? Mm. And I said, could you see that too? And they were like, yeah, what was that weird shadow over you? It was like a dark shadow. And I said, oh, I'm really glad you could see it. it's not just me. Um, and, and then I just was really drawn to the trap door and I felt such death pain, torture coming from that part of the room. And the black shadow just felt very present in the corner of that room. Um, And I actually couldn't stay in the room. It was too painful. The pain that I could feel in my body was too much to bear. So I had to get up and go and sit in another room. And and by that point, I just wanted to leave. I just felt like, you know, okay, enough is enough. I get I get the message that this house has had some pretty bad things happen and there are people here that or things here that don't want us. I need to go. Um, but and, you were you the know, only one of the group, sorry, Rebecca, that felt anything at this home, apart from your friend who, when you were together with the latch on the bathroom. Mm. I was. Nobody else was having a bad time except for me. We had one more night to sleep there and I can tell you going to bed that night, I I mean, I I felt like I couldn't sleep because I was so nervous around what would happen and luckily nothing did happen that night and I managed to sleep. But um, That's interesting, isn't it, that nothing happened? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, that was my experience. And and just to round that up, when I got back to the office and asked the office manager, you know, can you tell me more about the house? Was something done in that room? Uh, you know, who died there? And there was a rumour that there that somebody that lived at that house had torched animals in the basement. Oh. And I really felt that that energy and the shadowing that and the pain in my head was the death of the animals that had happened in the past. Right. So that connected to me as well. As soon as she told me that, I said, yes, that's, that's what I was feeling. And, you know, if somebody is torturing animals in the basement, we can be quite sure that there could be some sort of, you know, satanic cult or something like that going on there as well, you know, potentially. Exactly. There was a lot of negative energy in that house of all different kinds. It wasn't yeah. like it was just one negative energy. It was it was like negative upon negative upon negative. Yes, yes. Uh, and it took me a week to recover. I got back oh. to London and I literally went to bed for a week. My system shut down. My system, uh, it felt like it collapsed. I got very sick. Uh, I couldn't get out of bed. I was really unwell and it was like my body just could not cope with the onslaught of all of the different things that I experienced over two days. Because it's such a short amount of time and it was all so intense and that, that electrocution, you know, who knows what that did to you? It certainly drained you. It did, yeah. I felt like I was depleted and the battery was down at zero. Yeah. And before you left the house, did you have a chance to speak to anybody at front desk about what you went through or whether other guests had reported anything there? Well, there was no reception because it was a private house. Ah, yes. But what I found out through, again, the office manager when we were back at work was that there was a young boy with red hair 
who was regularly spotted by guests. Now, he didn't come to me, which was interesting, but he would often be in the kitchen of a morning when people would come downstairs from the bedroom and he'd be doing dishes and he'd have conversations with them. He was in full form. So they um, people would often say, oh, gosh, where did that little boy come from? Or is that a neighbourhood kid that's come in? And that was really interesting that I didn't see him, but he was a known figure in the house and he was quite a cheeky little boy he's about six or seven years old and he'd engage people in very normal sounding conversation and then walk off and just disappear that is very eerie <laughs> when, I was like, I'd prefer the boy with red hair than the blue zapping it. Certainly. Field. When you can't tell the living apart from the dead, though, wow, that's truly, that's quite an apparition. It is, yeah. Oh. So all in all, it was an amazing, interesting and terrifying experience and uh, one I haven't gone through again, but definitely kept people entertained as I tell them of my ghostly visit to Bath in England. It is a wonderful story. Thank you so much for sharing it, Rebecca. It's just been so lovely to hear it. You're a lovely storyteller and I'm sure you've kept all the listeners riveted. My absolute (laughs) pleasure and thank you for having me on one of my all-time favourite podcasts. Oh, that's so lovely. But I'm not going to let you go without asking you what I ask all of my guests. What can an encounter with the dead teach us about living? For me, it's that I'm not alone and that when I need help, there's always a presence there to comfort me. And that is really kind of nice to know that if I need it, there will be somebody appearing or helping me out, you know, in tough times. That is indeed nice to know. Thank you again, Rebecca. We'll talk again soon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for listening to The Ghost Files this week. Shout out to the listener who loves that the show balances spooky with kind and heartwarming stories too. Thanks also to the listener who calls this a brilliant Aussie podcast. Really appreciate that. And the fan who says they stumbled on the show when they were looking for true crime and call that their best tech accident yet. This person has been having paranormal experiences since childhood and no longer feels so alone. Very glad to hear it. Thanks everyone for your reviews and five-star ratings. If you have some feedback, you can email me by following the email in our show notes. I'll see you next week.